Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, podcast week with Melissa Bird. Yay! For anyone listening, I was introduced to Melissa through Melanie, who was episode 37, I think, two episodes ago. Um, Melanie Childers, and I forget the title of her episode, but such a good episode. And she said, you got to talk to my friend Melissa. And I was like, hook me up. <laughs> so I sent you, Melissa, a message and said, I have heard through the grapevine that you have done a lot of lobby work and you've worked with Planned Parenthood and you are, I think in her words, I won't quote her, but something to the effect of really good at talking to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think how I messaged you looked something like, I heard you have this experience I bet you have some wisdom to offer my audience about talking to the other side. So here we are um, for, there's so much I could say about you from what I've researched and looked at, but I'm actually gonna let you introduce yourself in whatever feels relevant for our audience. And then we'll just chat. Great, hi Amanda. <laughs> Yay. Um, I am Dr. Melissa Bird. And I am a life coach and a public speaker with a master's degree and a PhD in social work. And this is why I don't even bother introducing you. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep going. Uh, and and I, um, I live in the lovely state of Oregon. And I was born and raised in Utah. And um, shortly after I got my master's degree, um, I had done the first research on homeless youth in Utah that led to me writing an emancipation of a minor bill to help homeless youth get emancipated from their parents. Mm. I taught myself how a bill becomes a law. I wrote that law on my dining room table. I called an elected official I knew and said, I think I wrote a bill. Can you help me sponsor it? <laughs> I think I wrote it? a bill. And she's like, you did. And I was like, <laughs> cool. And this was like 2004, 2005. And so like, this was like before the land of the Googles and yeah. you know, we were online all the time. This was, you know, a long time ago. Yeah. And um, I taught myself how to lobby. And um, I got thrown into the fire that way. And because I had done, I had to teach myself how all this worked. And then I eventually, and I'll get back to that in a second, because it's totally relevant. I eventually ended up working for Equality Utah, which is Utah's LGBT political action group. And then I got hired as the vice president of public policy for Planned Parenthood of Utah. And okay. I was in that role for six years. And so throughout this whole process, not just teaching myself how a bill becomes a law, but throughout this process, uh, clearly I'm no, uh, I'm not afraid of a controversial subject. <laughs> I had to learn how to talk to people who don't agree with me at all. Yeah. Because I wanted my legislation passed, especially with that emancipation of a minor bill. I mean, you think Planned Parenthood's bad, but you start talking about taking parental rights away from parents. Ooh. Ooh. It was good times. So um, I had to learn how to compromise. 
I also learned mm. that you throw everything you want into the pot mm. and then you'd be willing to take things out that you don't, that you can live without. Mm. And honestly, that is the foundation from which I operate when I'm working with people who don't agree with me. Mm. Um, I have gone on to get my PhD in social work and all my research was around how women um, navigate religious stigma to get contraception and abortion. And mm -hmm. I did my research in rural California in Imperial County, which is the most rural county. And by the way, the most hard hit place in California with COVID right now, oh. they have like a 4%, 5% infection rate. And, I, mm -hmm. and I, I'm not surprised because of their, their culture and the way they operate and navigate around mm -hmm. secrets and stories mm -hmm. and religion. It's very complicated mm -hmm. there. And so it just breaks my heart what's happening down there because I know the people I know who are getting sick, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. So what I've learned is that you can't be afraid of talking to people. In fact, you should, you should try and seek out people who don't agree with you because it gets you out of your silo. Mm -hmm. And, and also be willing to help people tell their stories because that's how we make change in, in policy. When elected officials hear people's stories, they tend to enact legislation or not pass mm -hmm. legislation that is damaging to people, especially women. And so that's sort of a broad overview of <laughs> my career from 2003 until 2020. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What have been your favorite parts? I mean, this is so good, but like, what has stuck out for you as like, that made me who I am, you know, and in a way that, and now I'm so proud of who I am. Like what have been their favorite parts of the journey? There's a couple of really great parts of the journey. Uh, my first favorite part is that when I lived in Utah and I was getting ready to leave to go get my PhD and move to California, um, the, this woman named Gail Ruzica, who was the head of the Eagle Forum, so they're a conservative think tank that's been around there. They were originally formed to stop the Equal Rights Amendment. Okay. So if there's anybody on earth who is the polar exact opposite of me, it's Gail. Yeah. And she was very powerful at the Utah legislature, still is very powerful at the Utah legislature. And um, Gail and I love to debate each other. It was our, our favorite mm. things going up against each other. And we had a very mutual, what, what got me, and this is the pillar of that moment, is I recognized that her passion for, pro, she's pro-life, uh -huh. very, very conservative. Her passion is equal to my passion. Yes. So her values and her moral compass is equally as passionate as mine. And so I had to respect that mm -hmm. and not attack that, but attack the merits of the law and the policies. And so Gail and I, my favorite moment at the Capitol was actually Gail and I had our foreheads together and we were talking, Literally. whispering, yeah, whispering to each other. And the media went nuts, like, because we're standing in front of the House of Representatives and the media is just losing it. Like, 
what are they talking about? What is going on with Missy Bird and Gail Ruzica? Like it was this whole thing that was like, we were talking about my new boyfriend, now husband. And <laughs> I was telling her a story about him. And um, it was very funny because Gail ended up coming. I got roasted at an Irish pub when I left Utah. And Gail came to the bar, Mormon LDS woman, super conservative, came to the bar with her husband. Her husband had a non-alcoholic beer with my dad. And Gail Rizika roasted me and pinned me with an eagle form, a gold eagle form pin. And that was actually my favorite highlight of my career because I realized that I had crossed the bridge and that I had not burned the bridge. And you hear so often about burning bridges. Like, if you don't need that, burn the bridge. No, no. You never know when you're going to need to go back across the bridge. And Gail and I still up until a couple of years ago, because I finally let my life in Utah go, had a relationship. And she was like, I just miss you so much. I miss debating you. I miss connecting with you. I don't agree with anything you stand for, but I really miss you. And that experience- I had like full body chills for the last at least 30 seconds. Like, like what is going on? This is so good. Me too. Good. (sighs) That has brought me to this place where if you follow me online, I do monthly conversations with my friend, Amy Wolf, okay. who, um, who is very conservative. Okay. Um, and she lives here in Oregon and okay. she and I used, to, I used to go to her house and she'd make me a cheese quesadilla. And then we'd go live on Facebook unscripted and talk about abortion and guns and LGBT issues and all the things. And we do them live and unscripted on Facebook. And so you can find them on my YouTube channel. Oh, we have goodness. actually created le- a group called Leaning Into Our Differences with Missy and Amy. Oh. And we talk about really controversial stuff and how to have hard conversations. We have a manifesto for 2020 um, that's all about leaning into your differences with other people. Um, so I'd love to collect that in the show notes because I think- Of course you wrote that for 2020. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming did. you wrote it before 2020s. No, we, the fan. well, we did, but it was like just in January. Like it was yeah, like well, that's what I mean. end of December, beginning of January, but it's so relevant. Amy and I are always like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Why did we see the future there? But our conversations, you can watch how they have evolved over time and how Amy and I cry. We weep. We talk about the Bible. We weep through this process. And there's only been one time where we had to stop. And it was over LGBT teaching kids in sex ed about LGBT issues. And mm-hmm. I, I am a member of the, I'm bisexual mm-hmm. and, and we had to stop because Amy couldn't get there. Yeah. And we knew that there was that point and that's the key. I want all of your listeners to hear. It's not about being right. Yeah. It's about listening. Mm. If we wow. don't listen to each other. We are never going to change the way things are in this country. This is not a matter of right or wrong. It's all about listening. Okay. So what are your top three tips for listening? Mm. I still have chills, by the way. <laughs> so good. This is so good. Um, my first tip for listening is to seek out people who aren't in your typical circle. Mm-hmm. 
when you get nudged towards a person and you don't understand why, I mean, Amy and I met in a ballroom at a conference, at a women's conference in Portland. We were mm -hmm. the only two people in the ballroom. And for some reason we were pulled toward, literally pushed. She describes it as like God was pushing her and God was pushing me and we came together for no apparent reason whatsoever. Wow. Um, so when those nudges to reach out to people that you don't necessarily agree with come, mm -hmm. listen. Okay. And I want to be very clear. I'm not talking about people who are on the fringes. Like, yeah, the that was one of the next questions I was going to ask. Not you the extremists. Okay. The people in the middle that kind of resonate with you, yes. but you can't figure out why, like, you know, just listen for the nudge. That's the first thing. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that because I felt like there's this fine line of protecting your own mental health. Yeah. And you're not going to talk to people who are super extremists and can't hear you. Okay. All right. Great. I'm so glad that came up. Okay. That's step That's number one. The second thing is to, to literally listen. So don't listen with what you want to say in your head. Mm -hmm. Listen as the act of active listening. Mm -hmm. Don't have the answer. Don't have your retort. Don't have the next thing you're going to say in your head. Listen. Mm -hmm. And then respond. And that's okay. So give us some tips for that because that okay, can be really no. hard. It, it is hard. really hard. Sure. I think sure. for me personally, the biggest thing that allows me to do that is trusting myself that I will be able to respond. Because when I'm like, I'm not going to know what to say, or I'm not good, then I get into like, what am I going to say? So there's an element of trusting your own inner voice enough to be able to listen. But what other tips do you have for active listening? Because it's much easier said than done. Well, anytime you want to go, ah, but, uh, but, <laughs> wait, don't. Oh, deep gosh. breath. And mm -hmm. wait for them to finish talking. And then speak and say, this is actually the third thing. I hear what you're saying. That must be really important to you. Here's my experience. And then they're going to listen, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And the minute they go, but uh, uh, <laughs> stop talking mm -hmm. and say, can I finish? Mm -hmm. I gave you the space. Will you give me the space? Yeah. And, they go, and I yeah. don't, if it, it doesn't matter if it's your best friend or the lady down the street or your cousin, Larry, if you approach things like that and you take big, deep breaths, because that's the key, mm -hmm. um, then you can really change the way you react and listen. Yeah. The key is anytime, but is good. It's not a but. There are no buts. That, mm -hmm. that means you're making it a right or wrong proposition. The hardest thing for me to recognize through all of these years of advocating about choice, about abortion, about contraception, about sexually transmitted diseases. I mean, I got paid to talk about sex at the Utah State Legislature. That's a thing. Like, that does not come easily. In Utah. Right? In Utah. <laughs> If I can do it, anybody can do it. 
that, by the way, I was married to a woman when I started my career. So you can imagine that I was really held up in high esteem at the Utah State Legislature for being a lesbian woman working for Planned Parenthood. I had a lot of things to overcome there, people. So if you're listening to this, just know that you can still talk to people who don't agree with you when you're that person. (laughs) And in fact, you have to, because I knew all my bills were sponsored by Republicans, mostly Republican women. Wait, say that again? Most of my bills (laughs) for Planned Parenthood were sponsored by Republican women. Wow. Because how am I going to win at the Utah State Legislature? Of course. Yes, of course. Yeah, and so we did some really beautiful legislation that was all about prevention legislation, helping pregnant women get fast-tracked into sex, uh, substance abuse treatment, like all these gorgeous pieces of legislation that had nothing to do with the big A swear word abortion, but had everything to do with healthy moms making healthy babies. Mm-hmm. And this is what I want people to remember. This is not a matter of reproductive rights, which is a very white woman thing, or even choice, because some people don't have choices. Yes. This is a matter of justice. Yeah. And for those of you who are listening who are unfamiliar with what reproductive justice is, it is a framework created by Black women so that Black women in particular, but all women in general, can have the ability and the right to parent when they are ready to parent and parent safely and raise their children and have their babies when they're ready. And that is a whole different conversation than the one we've been having since 1973. Mm -hmm. And this listening is what comes into play here. If you are not looking at this as a matter of right or wrong, choice or no choice, but you actually broaden out the framework. And for those of you who are listening who may identify as pro-life, there's also room at this table to have a conversation. Because what Amy and I have discovered in particular, but what even Gail and I discovered, is that we actually want the same thing. Yeah. We want for women to be able to become moms when they're ready to be moms. And for those of us, like I struggle with infertility, I've never given birth to my own children. But I am, and I, I do not believe I would choose to have an abortion because I have wanted to have babies since I was 16. I don't believe that is a choice I would make for myself. But that doesn't mean I have the right to get into other people's lives and make that decision for them. And that's really where everything gets all muddy. And so Yeah, so it's even really- feeling a little muddy for me right now. So when you say we want the same thing, so women who are like adamantly pro-life, we want the same thing. How, how, where is that line of the same thing equals this not being the right time or way for a woman to have a baby? Like where? I don't know. I can't answer that question. It depends on the person. And this is the thing. I know that Gail Ruzica's line is totally different than Amy Wolf's line. I know it's totally different. Their line mm-hmm. and Amy's gets wa- really wobbly often because it used to be an all or nothing thing. And she just admitted live on Facebook, unbeknownst to me, that she can see that in some circumstances it's appropriate. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cue the head explosion. I was right. like, and like to celebrate oh that. To celebrate that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, and, and 
this is the key. The key for all of us, especially right now in 2020, for those of you who are listening to this in hindsight, like three years later, just know that it's probably still relevant, though hopefully less relevant. <laughs> right now, in this moment, on July 30th, 2020, we are more polarized, more torn apart, more isolated because of the pandemic, and we are more willing to rip each other to shreds than to hold each other up as women. And as, as long as women continue to rip each other to shreds, the patriarchy will survive. And we will never see a place where our communities can come together to stop the violence, to stop treating people like crap, and to start talking about what's really, truly important in our communities. And as long as we have these racial divides among black women and white women, which is a horrifying problem, and white women need to get it together. Let's be real, like we really do. As long as we continue to elevate white voices over black voices, the issue of abortion and contraception will continue to be a divisive dividing line. Yeah. And that's just, that's just fact. And we have to be willing to have difficult, complicated conversations and learn from other people about their experiences so that we can move forward as an entire whole. Because the bottom line at the end of the day, and if there's anything this pandemic has taught us, it is this, we are all interconnected. Whether we want to believe it or not, we are 100% breathing on each other. And that's just a fact. And if we don't start to listen to each other, even when we think we do not have anything in common, find that common thread. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I really want to encourage people to do. Find the commonality. All Amy and I had were that we were at this women's conference and we both had kids. She was shocked to find out I was Christian. She was shocked to find out that I was also a member of the LGBT community. Like she just like, there was yeah, all these things yeah. where she was like, I don't know why I keep wanting to talk to you. Like, I don't understand. And so I want people to understand that there are always common threads. Yeah. With the people you're supposed to be connected to. There was, I can't actually remember if I've talked about this on this podcast or not, but I listened to Janine Staples. I don't know if you know her one time at the beginning of the pandemic, I think it was, although it may have been at the height of the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. I can't remember, but the point is she gave this great exercise where when you're in that moment where you think you have nothing in common with someone, where you just think it's like just oil and water, never going to blend, to so ask yourself, I wonder, I wonder if he has a dog. Yes. I wonder if she likes ice cream. I wonder if they have grandchildren they love. I wonder if they ever eat soup at night <laughs> like literally the most kind of ridiculous simple human things I wonder if they like flowers to find those commonalities that are just because there really are more of those than these blaring lights of of you know difference yeah I loved that exercise I love the way she said it like I wonder 
Well, it felt so much easier than like, okay, we, we probably have some things in common. Let's figure them out. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, your brain's like, no, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. Yeah. And you can't listen to that. You've got to listen to that pull of your heart. Yeah. It, it's really, um, I love that we're having this conversation because of Melanie, because um, she really struggled at first with my conversations with Amy. Mm. Well, I mean, even I used my to say all, all the time, yeah. it's about the pull of my heart. I can't help but be connected to these complicated, difficult conversations. There's nothing I love more than teaching my clients, getting up on a stage, and helping people understand how to navigate difficult and complicated conversations. It's my favorite thing to do because yeah. it opens up a world of possibility instead of keeping us stuck in this narrow view of how the world is because our view of how the world is, is not how the world is. It's yeah. a piece of it, but it's not, it's not how the community operates as a whole. Yeah. It's just a piece. We're just a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And so I love being able to help people think about how do I find and seek out people that are just a little bit different than me so we can have, I can get out of my silo and have a different conversation about how the world works. Yeah. Well, and I, I feel that I don't know, I don't know Melanie's, um, you know, what you're referring to, but I feel that piece of me that's like, no, I can't highlight those voices. I can't give space to those voices. Like, what am I teaching? So I recorded a podcast episode actually with uh, another coach who, um, who does have some really different beliefs than me about abortion being a sin. And I've debated and debated, and now I'm saying it on air, whether or not to air this episode and how I want to approach this. And I keep going back and forth and having this conversation with you is like, of course, you're going to put it on the podcast. Oh, you have to. Yeah, you of course you are. People have to hear all these different sides in order to come to yeah. a space where they can make their own decisions outside of the media. Yeah. Like, of course, you're going to put it on the air. Because but there's that piece of me, and I know the piece, and I just interrupted you with a but, which is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this piece of me that says, I don't want to confuse my listeners, which says, I don't trust my listeners mm -hmm. to, to I put all the pieces together themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, listeners, I do trust you in many, many ways. But that, that signals, that little voice in me that says, I don't want to confuse my listeners. Well, why do I think they're going to get confused? Why don't I just trust them to follow their own hearts? I think the most important piece of this is to give people opportunity to make decisions based on getting even more information. And what I hear is not about that. What I hear is we have move to this space where elevating voices that are so incredibly different from ours means that we're continuing to give those people with privilege more bandwidth. And if you balance things out, I mean, you brought me on for heaven's sakes. If you balance <laughs> out with this idea of many voices coming to the table, then people are able to make their own decisions about what resonates best for them. Yeah. When pe people aren't going to agree with everything I say, people aren't going to agree yeah. with everything that other person says. 
Or but there's a messy middle. There's a messy middle where people are like, oh, that totally resonates with me. I can take that and hold on to it. And so I think the key is to start talking about being together at the table instead of having, you know, the pro-life lady sit over here at this table and then Dr. Bird sits over here at this table. And then the people who like are not pro-abortion, but are pro-contraception can go sit at that table over there. No, we're all women. We all need to start coming together and stop attacking each other and stop attacking each other's bodies and start looking at why it is that we have these beliefs and where they come from. Yeah. And how they keep us apart. We have to really explore the idea of why we have been trained to attack each other as women. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a piece of me that was nervous about even having you on. Like I saw the word lobby and Planned Parenthood and I was like, uh, <laughs> that's a little intense for me. And I'll tell you why. It's because I see so much in the pro-choice access to rights conversation, abortion is a medical procedure people need access to it. And I'm like, yes, it is a medical procedure, but women are sad after, you know, there's a lot of women, not all. There's a lot of women who have really complex feelings after. And I know that that doesn't serve some of the laws and bills because it can there's be. There's a lot of women who have hysterectomies that have complex feelings after too. Right? <laughs> our womb, our womb is a complex space. Our womb is, it is just like the quote of the show. Again. Our womb is a complex space. <laughs> so and, I mean, like it, it, but it is, it is the seat of life. It is the chalice. I have a great, yeah. great YouTube video about the chalice, by the way. Um, and the divine feminine, uh, oh. the womb is the chalice. It is the place where life comes from. Yeah. We have a very difficult relationship with the regulation of the chalice because of the church, because of white Christian men, because of a long history of regulating the chalice that actually has nothing to do with women. Nothing. Right. It has to do, I had a great conversation with a doc, um, who, an abortion provider. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a year and a half ago. And she said, you know, that we could stop this whole thing if men would just stop being so fascinated with the idea that we can create life and they cannot. Mm. She said, the minute men stop obsessing about how does that happen <laughs> and what happens in there and what's going on and why can't I experience or see it? She, it was very funny conversation. And it made me laugh because I thought, yeah, if we just be, stop being so obsessed with the womb, and the complications of it and the inner workings of it and started really thinking about how are we caring for each other while we're here? How are we caring for all of our children? I've been working in social work since I was 19. I'm 46. Mm. Our foster care situation has not gotten any damn better since I started my job when I was 19 years old. And in fact, I think it might be getting worse. Ugh. We're not caring for the children that are here this isn't just about whether or not a person can have access to abortion or contraception. This is a worldview yeah. about how are we taking care of our communities 
and our neighbors and our loved ones. This isn't just about abortion. It's not about how someone feels about an abortion. I have plenty of friends who are very happy they got their abortions. I have plenty of friends who are very sad they got an abortion. I have plenty of friends who have hysterectomies who are devastated. I was devastated because I had to have a hysterectomy because it, it meant that I finally could not hold out hope of accidentally getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. That, that I would never have that experience. And then I have friends who are so happy about their hysterectomies they can't even stand themselves. <laughs> I so I think that we complicate this conversation Mm-hmm. When we make it, when we try to blanket how people should feel about abortion. As soon as you said we complicate, I started writing because I was like, whatever she's about to say is good. <laughs> we do. We complicate the conversation all the time. Mm-hmm. And it keeps coming back to just listening. There's five things that I think that people can do that I think would be really helpful for people who are hearing this conversation. Great. Five things. Go. The first one is pay attention. Look around you. Listen to all the messages, not just the ones that make you feel good. Be uncomfortable. Mm. The second one is be kinder. Just be nice. Not in that placating whole like, way yeah when you see someone hurting say how can I help yeah what do you need just be kind we have gotten into this whole like thing where I'm exhausted and I can't do any more work and like the burden of being a woman and all this stuff and I think that's where damage is being done because we have forgotten that it's okay to just be kind yeah, and the kindness more often than not fuels us. Yeah, kindness we, fuels us. It doesn't deplete us. I think it's going to be draining, but it's, it's, it's no, what gives us hope. It's what gives yes. us energy. Yeah. 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 The third thing is refrain from stoking anger and fear. From stoking. Mm-hmm. This is one of the challenges of mine and Amy's manifesto. Mm. Don't post things that are gonna that are divisive Mm. so I have to really I'm worse at that than Amy is but Mm. I have to really think before I post news articles and things like that I got a little saucy in the last 24 hours but I I I like to push the envelope of that line just a little that's a good one (laughs) but it's important it's important to think about when you're reposting that post on Facebook I, is this going to so ask yourself is this going to stoke anger and fear yeah and i feel like there's a little addition there it's like refrain from stoking anger and fear in myself and in each other so yes. there's two questions am i going to read the article and am i going to share the article yes and sometimes you might be in a place that reading it might not stoke your own fear or anger and sometimes you might be in a place that it is so <laughs> yeah in myself and in each other yep Totally agree. So pay attention, be uncomfortable, be kinder, refrain from stoking anger and fear. That's one, two, that's four. There's one more. No, there's, that's three. Oh, that's one. The anger and fear is the same. Oh yeah, yeah. That's three. Four is listen. Listen. And five is fear and loathing will get us nowhere. Hmm. 
I assume, is this a manifesto between the two of you or it's out in the world somewhere? No, these ones are actually part of the Graceful Revolution, which is my oh, book that's going to be coming out next year. Oh, fabulous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Those are my five things that I really think that that's how we're going to be the container for change. Wow. To do Beautiful. I can't wait to read that book. And you've written a lot. You have yes. a lot of writing in your, and I'm hoping that you might grace us with some of your reading for a bonus podcast or two. I would love um, to do that. So I feel like I want to give you freedom to choose what you think this audience in the messy middle of the abortion conversation, beautiful messy middle, wants to hear. Because that's who finds me, is all the people in the middle. That's wonderful. I would love to. I was yeah. actually thinking about that the other day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We would love to hear your voice. Yeah. What else? Is there anything else you feel like someone listening needs to hear before we wrap it up? You are not alone. Yeah. I can't count the number of times I say that every day. You're just not alone. You're not alone. Stop yelling and start listening. Yeah. Oh, another one of the um, listening pieces that's helped me this year is pulling, um, pulling out, I really like that about her, or not sure, I'm not sure I understand that part of them, or compartmentalizing the pieces of people, which sounds like a terrible thing to do, right? <laughs> Why would I break people into pieces? But what it does is we stop doing that thing like, oh, she's pro-choice, I must like all of her. And then you find out that she doesn't support, you know, LGBTQ rights and you get all confused and you just decide you hate her, right? So I've started just really like compartmentalizing those pieces in other people and in myself as well to be like, what if I just took it into little bits and pieces instead of lumping people into these categories of like, they are my alley. They are not my alley. They, they are awful. They are wonderful. They are. It's like when, I did we become, when did we become a group of women where we had to, where we had to love everything about everybody. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I have two best friends that I've had since child, since birth. Neither of them. I don't, I mean, I love them both more than life itself, but I don't agree with them all the time. That yeah. would be boring. Right? I don't want to a hundred percent resonate with my BFFs. Like there are things they do that irritate me and there are things I do that irritate them, but yeah. we love each other so much. I have a friend in DC who I have, I don't even know how I met. We can, we cannot still remember. It's been like decades <laughs> and she irritates the crap out of me sometimes. And I irritate the crap out of her, but we have these gorgeous conversations yeah. that are super deep and lovely. And she's calls me on my crap and I call her on her crap. And when, when did we become a group of women who were like, no, you have to be all the things all the time. Yeah. Yeah. All the things all the time. No, we do not. Yeah. No. I've been trying to explain this one to my teenage daughter about my own marriage and her relationships that she's entering, right? It's mm -hmm. like, 
<laughs> so I keep saying to her, look at it, look at dad and I, honey. Like there's so many things are different about us. And there's so much love and there's so much value and there's so much growth. Like we're not supposed to be the same. Like that would be boring. <laughs> that would all be the boring. women listening to this podcast could remember that same thing. I think we would be much kinder and more loving to each other yeah. and more graceful with each other. Have some grace, y'all. Have some grace. You know, I named my abortion baby Grace. <laughs> I love that. Have some grace, everybody. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to put your voice. Yeah. Get your voice on the podcast in multiple ways. And um, <laughs> I don't know that I have time today, but I'm like Googling your Facebook or you know, Facebook searching your conversations with Amy. Like, I can't oh, wait to listen. Yeah. I have not yet listened. So good. amazing. Thank you for setting that example for all of us. Thank you for having me on your show. Awesome. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.